Tonight I'm going to read a very familiar text on the message I'll be choosing your treasure. We're going to read verses nine, uh, chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, so look there with me. And the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But conversely, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'll take your Bibles, if you would, very quickly and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll use two different principles from these two texts on a little thought about giving tonight. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul here writing to the Corinthian church who had promised to give an offering to the Jerusalem church that we're studying about in Acts in a time of famine. They were hesitating and lingering to get that uh, offering in. Now, this wasn't their tithe. This, this was an offering. This, they were not under obligation to give to the Jerusalem church. Uh, he's just appealing uh, to their Christianity and really to the opportunity to be a blessing to the people. And so, in verse number 6 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, this is what he says. He says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Again, this isn't a tithe. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Paul's arguing this. You can't outgive God. If there's an opportunity, if you choose to give to it, don't worry too much about diminishing yourself because, hey, our God can be sufficient. He'll take care of you if you're part of helping taking care of other people. And, and so, verse 9 says, As is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteous remain forever. And so now here goes this thought about giving now to these people in need. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and then this, he multiplied your seed sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness. So, in other words, God gives you as a sower seed. Well, you plant it, you give it, and it brings a, a bigger increase. And then from that increase, you can give yet again. So it's kind of like this, this equation where the sum just keeps getting bigger and bigger no matter what you do. So they have this surplus that now they have because of giving. Verse 12, For the administration of this service, or giving, not only supplieth the want of the saints, okay, by giving your meeting some need, but, it, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Okay, so you gave to someone else, but what that initiated was not just being their need, but initiated praise on their part. So they're thanking God for God, and they're thanking God for the one who gave to them. You follow the logic here? And verse 13, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, or you know, by this act activity occurring, they glorify God, notice, for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. This is some old language, but saying this, they're thanking God that you proved your Christianity by being gracious and gave to, giving to other people. They're just thanking God for your genuine Christianity and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayers for you. So you've initiated people praying for you by giving, which long after you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you 
And he says this, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Father, we thank you so much for this night and Lord, for preserving these truths and principles in your word. Lord, for our learning, I, I pray tonight, Lord, as we look into your word and, and Lord, um, specifically next week, Lord, the special Sunday we have, I, I pray that you would help us to see it for what it is, and just an opportunity, Lord, to administer your manifold blessing to us, Lord, for other people's good, and Lord, hopefully their future praise, and Lord, maybe even prayers for us. And so we ask for your help with us in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. Well, tonight is a kind of a coaching thought, and for those who might be new um, here at the church, uh, next Sunday we are having a special Sunday that's mostly in the evening service, and we call it the I Love My Church Sunday. It's, it's, a, it's a great day, and it's just something we're trying to uh, develop in the character of our church family, to have a love for this place, and specifically helping our young people and children to develop a love for Eastland Baptist Church. And we know this, that where our treasure is, there will heart be also. We can direct you know, the affections of our heart by the things that we give to. And so in this way, we're encouraging people to give. Now, this isn't the kind of private giving that God encourages maybe in the New Testament, you know, in our weekly giving. But this is more of a manifest joy type of giving. It's kind of a celebratory giving. Um, when we give next week, you can attach your name to the gift you give. Or if you choose to make it anonymous, you can do that. That's really not the point. The point is this. is just a church family. We are identifying a church need that's somewhat outside of our budget, uh, to accomplish. Now, we, we, we started this years ago because we, which I'll get to in a moment, when we built this building, um, y y we were making payments from the general fund. And so we were kind of spending a lot of our dollars to provide this structure. And then we had a vision fund or a building fund that people gave separately that we used to uh, you know, pay for that as well, to pay principal on that loan, which, by the way, in doing it that way, we probably saved, John would know the numbers, well over a million dollars. It was just trying to be good stewards. But that left little money for us to do other projects. And so we started that offering years ago, and we've been able to accomplish so many things. And uh, of course, we retired that uh, vision fund offering last year because we were able to pay off the building, and the Lord's blessed our church financially, and we were able to get most everything done through our general fund. But the, this project offering is, is continuing. You know, I think maybe, I'm not sure how many years ago we actually started this, uh, 15, maybe 14 years ago we started this I Love My Church Sunday. It's a day that we set aside to express our love for our church by investing in a part of it, and specifically in the future of Eastland Baptist Church. Um, <clears throat> a little less than 15 years ago, our church family voted together to building this building. Now this, 15 years ago, there was a different building here. It was significantly smaller than this building, almost by half. And we decided, church family, uh, to begin to rebuild and renovate over 50,000 square feet of church property. Now that included this auditorium that we are meeting in. It included the bathrooms and classrooms upstairs um, that include the sidewalks that take us now from this property to the lower property um, where the uh, family center is, uh, our teen class. Of course, the property we just purchased over here. And then we also did 20,000 feet of renovation in our family center. That was the old theater building that uh, was sitting in water and mold. 
that we went in there and gutted it. And if you've been down there, we have our chili supper where our senior haven meets. It's where the Hispanic ministry meets. It is a beautiful building and mirrors this building in many ways. And of course, it didn't always look like that. Uh, we stepped out in this great endeavor for several reasons. We needed the space. Um, the crowd that we had at that time could not be accommodated in the room that we had. Um, back in those days, we opened these back doors and people sat out there in the foyer for a while. We then had to go to two services. And so we simply needed the space. We wanted to do a bigger work for God. Um, we've never been about drawing a crowd here. That's not our goal. We want to build a church. We want to, we want to find people, reach people, provide a, a place for people to come and uh, worship and where people can be saved and families can be changed. And so we, we simply want to do a greater work for God in reaching a greater number of people. We want to increase you know, our influence, God's influence, and expand His kingdom, doing our part here in East Tulsa. I know other churches are as well, but we want to do our part. And truthfully, uh, we want to secure a future. Um, at that point, um, I don't think, well, I, I didn't have any grandkids, you know, and, and now I have <coughs> a lot. But I wanted a place for my kids to go to church. And I wanted a place that my grandchildren could go to church. Yeah, you know, there's this principle that objects um, at rest tend to stay at rest. We call that a dying church. They don't do a lot. They, they just kind of try to maintain, and trying to maintain is difficult. Really, churches should be trying to, to go forward and grow. The converse truth is objects in motion tend to stay in motion. And so, a lot of this it gave us something to live for and to give ourselves for, and it gave us a future, and the one that we are enjoying today. Well, so recognizing all this, we decided to, to vote with our hearts and our dollars to go forward. And we did. We invested in our future, the future of our, our children, and those who are new here in Eastland Baptist Church. Um, we built this for us, and we built this for you, to have a place for you to attend. And, and so, we did all this because we love this place. Um, we love our church. And by, when I say that, I'm talking about um, our spiritual home here. This uh, unique family of God that God has assembled here, this place is, is special to me. I think it's special to most of us. Again, the Bible says where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And we give and spend on things that we value. Um, that's true of the homes we live in. And whatever money we choose to spend there, choose the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, the things we buy, the technology, the food. But here we chose not to love those things. We, we chose to love the work done here and the Lord's work done here. But a decision was made to communicate God's love in East Tulsa because we wanted to make sure that there was a lighthouse here for the future. And people have always done that. I, when I, this is crazy. When I think about the timelines here, I came here almost three decades ago. I remember when I was a newcomer, when I was a new guy, you know. And now, having been here for 30 years, um, you know, it's become a, a treasure to me. It was a place that other people invested in. And actually, before I even got here, some of those people who invested a great number had already passed away. There were people who invested in some Baptist Church 50, 40 years ago. They never met me. They don't even know me, but they made what I'm doing here tonight a possibility. It's, a, it's a something that where they chose 
to love the Lord, to love this place, and maybe didn't know it, you know, even in love me. Now, when I say we love our church, uh, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about um, this platform, and I'm not talking about the pews you're sitting in, and I'm not talking about the brick and mortar place that we call a church building. When I say church, I'm talking about the people in the building. When we say we love our church, what we're saying is, is we love the church family that meets here. We love the people who assemble here. We love their children. We love their grandparents. We did not decide to invest millions of dollars to build a structure. You know, it's not about the buildings. It's about what happens in the buildings that's important. For our love, um, we gave to the people here. Now, <clears throat> this, is, this is my testimony. Let me just go back a second. In 1994, <laughs> in 1994, Terry and I had moved to a new home for the first time out in Claremore. And um, in that time of our lives, there was also a transition in church. And so we were looking for a church. So in the fall of 1994, a family of five walked in the back doors here. And uh, I remember seeing people like Fred and Sharon Starr, and um, Mike and Jack Waboli, and uh, Dwight and Desiree Sines. I could list a number of people. And I just remember they were singing up here, and a lot of those were singing up in a choir, and they all had suits and ties on. And I came in in cowboy boots and jeans, and I thought they were all lawyers and doctors. <laughs> I, I remember it made quite an impression. I think in those days we had the blue robes. Is that correct? The blue robes up there? I know you guys missed the blue robes, but. <laughs> we were immediately attracted to the uniqueness of Eastland, but we were really attracted to the people here. For reasons I didn't fully understand, then people were nice to us. They were very kind. We'd been in church before, but we, we had never met um, people like Jerry and Phyllis Palmer before. You know, we hadn't been introduced to that level of kindness and love and hospitality. We were looking for a place where we could be accepted and grow in the Lord. We needed to do that. We were looking for a place of love. We, we wanted a right kind of conservatism, a place of commitment where people weren't just going through the motions, but they were committed to trying to really grow in the Lord and love Him. We wanted a place where the music sounded like it actually honored the Lord and wasn't just all about entertainment. We wanted a place where we felt like our kids could grow up and, and love the Lord that we did. And of course, that place is Eastland Baptist Church. I would be the first person um, to admit Eastland has its faults, failures, and misgivings. But I would also say this, it is singularly unique and special. And I, I'm sure every church is, but I, I think you know my heart when I say that. When that family of five entered our doors, it didn't take long for us to call it home. Now, that decision to attend here changed my life, my wife's life, and so my children's lives forever. It changed my decision making. It changed the quality of my life. It changed the character of who I was, the direction I was headed. I was given to uh, education and still love science, microbiology, genetics, all that stuff. I, I'm still that nerd. But in time here, um, I, I asked the Lord to help me be, be, become a better dad. And I did that from those pews. 
I listened to Brother Hardy preach, and I, I came forward at many invitations. Uh, I shed tears here, asking the Lord to help me in different uh, manners of repentance. Um, I asked the Lord to help me become a better husband to Terry. And it was in this church that the Lord called me to preach in my early 30s. That was a surprise. <clears throat> um, I thought I was going to become a professor, and all of a sudden, 10 years of education was taking a right-hand turn. I almost said left. It was a right-hand turn. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm standing behind the pulpit today. It's very humbling, and, and it's been an incredible journey. And that's my story, and I like it. It's a good one. And every one of you have a story, too. You know, as I look out here, I can remember the first day a lot of you all showed up here. You know, I remember Scott and Charlie Reeves first came to Eastland. You know, I remember when I first met Eustace, and wow, you know. <laughs> I remember when the Lord brought the Kaiken dolls here. And I, mean, I, I could just go across that way, you know. I remember the first time Brother Brian <laughs> showed up here. And uh, what a ball of energy, you know. And I, I, I can just go all across here. I, I remember the first time you all came here. And I remember, you know, being excited that you were here. And, and then given the time you could come here to tell a story. What, what am I trying to say? The stuff just doesn't happen without other people making it happen. It's so cliche. Good things don't just happen. Good things happen because good people make them happen. And, and to their point, it's because good people part with their hard-earned money to place it someplace that they love because of the work that's done there and the way that lives are changed there. Uh, that's what I Love My Church is about, is providing a place for me and for the people I mentioned and others to come here and have their lives altered for the Lord as well. What we love about this place is what happens here. Um, what God does in different hearts. It's a place for God's Word to be spoken and declared. And that shared here, you know, among many of the pastors, myself, Brother Daniel, of course, John, uh, Andrew, and Ben, all those men, mercy, those guys can all preach. It's a place where we can open God's Word and look at it together and ask the Lord to change our hearts to, to instruct us. It's a place where we learn, where we've been confronted, where we are exhorted, where we're challenged and encouraged. This is a place where many of us have shed tears of repentance and we've pledged to do better. We've asked for forgiveness, we've tried to overcome failure, and we work anew to make broken relationships right. It's a place where we marry our children and we honor those who've passed on. It's the place that most of us have the greatest relationships and friendships in the world, right here at Eastland Baptist Church. This is the place where we teach our children to sing God's praises. This is the place where we try to provide a place for our teens to want to still serve the Lord in those years. That's what we love here, the things that happen in this building, and that's what we give to, and that's what I would encourage you to do. We give and love our church for legacy's sake, for the investment's sake. You know, the text we, we look at in Matthew basically says this, it's not very wise to give yourself to things that don't endure. You know, moth and rust doth corrupt. Corrupt this jacket, you won't, it probably won't be here in 20 years, and if it does, it won't, it won't look like this. 
the truck I'm driving out there won't look like it does now in 20 years. It may be some scrap pile somewhere. My, I'm supposing my home will be there. Maybe not. A fire could take it. The things that we give so much money to, I mean, just do the simple calculations in your head. A lot of it won't be here, even when we die. So much what we spend on is not durable. It's not lasting. It has no impact. There's no influence. It's, it's there for the temporary joy. Not that that's even an evil, but it just doesn't endure. Not even in this life and certainly not to the next. And so what Jesus is offering us here is an opportunity to be more farsighted, not so nearsighted, to maybe delay our gratification for not the reward of the immediate, of not what that thing can do for me, or what that thing can do for me, but what maybe giving myself to the Lord in this place and in people's lives, what kind of reward can that bring in time, in treasure, in treasures in heaven? He's asking us to think that way. The Lord warned us through James. He says, now go to now, you rich men, and weep and howl for your misery shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted. And the word corrupted there it doesn't mean necessarily evil. It just means it's going to decay. It's going to dissolve. The things that we own are going to fall apart. Your garments are going to become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. I know these words are kind of infused with a negative, but the idea is this. They just don't last. And the rust of them shall be witness against you. Witness what? Not necessarily that you're evil, but you just, that's where you chose to put all your, your treasure, is in things that aren't even here in the future. And Jesus gave this same warning in Luke chapter 12 of the barn builder. It's one of my favorite texts. And here's a man who the Lord blessed in so many ways. He gave the seed, the seed went in the barn, and he finally comes upon this incredibly good question. What shall I do? What a great question. Lord, you give me all this bounty. What shall I do? Great question, poor response. This will I do. I'll build bigger barns. And the Bible looks at that guy and goes, um, there's no point in getting more what you already have enough of. There's no real reward in that. You know, at some point materialism becomes like salt water. The, the more you take, just the more you want. It's just not satisfying. He says, and having all this moth-eaten, rusted stuff, this is from the mouth of God, you, you become a fool. And this night, your life will be required of you. And then what you do have left, who's it going to belong to? And maybe not even the people that you want it to. See, all that is contrasted with being rich towards God. See, there are people who gave to Eastland. Because there, when I came here, there were pews and there was carpet, there was, there was lights and there was all this place. It's just different and bigger. But there was something in place. Those people are gone, but we're still here. And what they gave to and what they've invested in is enduring. And they're giving me a place and my kids a place and, and my grandkids a place to continue to come. In other words, their reward is still accumulating. Um, it, it's still growing. In the book of Revelation, you know, there's this idea that, you know, the Lord calls his saints home and their works do follow them. It, it's, not, it's not all tallied up yet. The reward's going to come at the consummation of the age. And so God is asking us to think that way, to consider this. And so in thinking about investing in this place, that's what we're talking about. I love our churches, is, is, is loving 
a work and an investment that can endure. You say, well, well people will come here and go, but, you've done, but the work done in their heart will endure. And so, you know, in, in the message of Brother Hardy's heart that impacted my life, then those same truths then were passed on to my sons and my daughters. And now I'm watching them took what I learned here and pass it on to their children. And then that can continue to endure. I, I trust until the Lord come, comes back. And so investment here lives on, is what the Bible's teaching. And that's what I want us to consider, investing in a continuing legacy. Revelation 14, 13, again, hence that, And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in, in the Lord from henceforth. And he saith in the Spirit that they may rest from their labors, and they have works that follow them. And the works are the works that were done for the name of Christ and for people. Today, the Bible is still being preached here. Lives are still being changed. People still find fellowship and encouragement and help. They still find people to share life with. And as long as good men and good women like you guard and protect and invest and continue to invest in God's work here, that legacy will continue until the Lord comes back. You know, um, I'm in the hospital a lot. <laughs> Not necessarily personally, but I'm in the hospital a lot. And uh, most of us have visited the hospital. And we, I, I've talked about this before. Almost every hospital has this hallway. And you walk down the hallway and you see all these pictures. And a lot of us may pass by. And sometimes uh, the people on the wall are doctors or nurses in that hospital. But oftentimes those pictures are people who built the hospital. They're pictures of donors. And so what do those people do? Well, people, some people gave thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of dollars to a hospital because they believe what happens in those rooms is important about saving lives. And I would say that's probably um, fair, probably fair. So we have a, you know, every Sunday we give our tithes, but we have events like I Love My Church. You, it's just it's just an opportunity. They had an opportunity to invest in a hospital. We have an opportunity to invest in some, some other work here is, is what we're choosing to do. We're making an investment so that another family of five or four or three or one can come here and discover what many of us know. We're going to help people make decisions. I think about that. All the important decisions in my life were made here. I gave my life to trust Christ in a church. I married my wife and pledged my love to her in a church. I committed and recommitted myself to God to be a better man, husband, and father in a church. I repented and swallowed my pride lots of times in a church. I prayed for direction for my life in a church. And I want to leave a legacy for others to do the same in this church in the future. That's what I want to give, you know, myself to. Next week is simply an opportunity to give. Okay, I want everybody to get this. Um, if ever there was a time to apply the text, not grudgingly or of necessity, it's not this kind of giving next week. Okay, you give your tithe. That's important. That's not, this is not a tithe. This is not missions. Uh, missions is important, and the vast majority of you give to missions. Um, 
What you're giving to is an opportunity. What is an opportunity? It is a set of circumstances that you involve yourself in that can make something happen. Okay, all of us have opportunities in life that we take advantage of. So what's the opportunity? We're gonna build a parking lot right over here on the south side of our property. And there's gonna be 96 or 98 spots, I don't remember. Um, you can be a part of that. Okay. So it's gonna go like this. That parking lot's gonna be built and every single spot will be filled. You wait and see. And we're gonna fill it, which is just gonna make room for more people. But we're gonna designate this side for guests, most likely, and this side for seniors. We may change that a little bit. But here's the thing. It's a place for someone to park a car. But there's people in the car. That's what you're really paying for. The people in the car. And the people who get out of the car, they're going to walk across this place and they're going to sit in a pew like you are tonight. And this is going to start this late summer and fall. And if the Lord tarries, <clears throat> people may be parking in that parking lot for the next 50 years. At least I hope they are. Now here's the thing, it's just an opportunity. You can spend your money at Walmart if you want to. You can go buy stock. You can go buy something that rewards you in the moment. Or just an opportunity. You can help pay for a parking space until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. I don't assume anything else is going to happen on this property as long as I'm alive and Daniel's alive and other people like you. This is what's going to happen here. We're going to have church on this property. You can have a part in providing someone an opportunity to go from right over there to right in here. Parking's not really that um, special. <laughs> but what happens after someone parks here is. Is that, is that okay? We can have them park in the grass. They may or may not. I don't know. Is it a great necessity? I'm just, I don't know that it is. Is it a great help? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's forward progress. It's a place that's as good of an investment as any other place. There's a thousand opportunities that you can take advantage of. Okay. This is one. This is one. I think it's a good one. I think it's something as equivalent as the pews and the lights and the air condition that's running right now. Do we have to have them? I don't know. For the Eustace, is it nice to have it? Doesn't have that in Africa. It helps grow a church. It's a place where people get their lives changed. So next week, I'm just asking you to take advantage of an opportunity. Not grudgingly of necessity. You don't have to. You don't have to sign a card. You're going to miss out. It's going to be a lot of fun. At the same time, you're going to be doing so much more. You're going to be showing young people that adults have the wisdom and savvy to spend some of their resources on things that are truly important. They're going to see a happy, joyful place. If you're new here, it'll be a little zany. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a great memory. But most of all, all the dollars given are going to translate into something really tangible right there. And so what happens that from there is a, no pun intended with the theme, a launching point for everything that happens in here.
I'm going to have a part in that. You know, I'm going to have a substantial part of that, and, and I want to invite you to. All right? Let me ask you to stand tonight, if you would.